All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This, this is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 144 in full swing, full motion. We are so happy to be here with you and you to be here with us. Whether you're live streaming, podcasting, or YouTubing, we appreciate your time being with us. We have a fun-filled show for you guys. We understand that this is a bye week for the Kansas City Chiefs, the 7-4 and four Kansas City Chiefs who are currently riding on a four-game winning streak. They get a chance to kind of take a little bit of a breath, a much-deserved breath, a much-needed breath to relax and get healed up. Ironically, and thankfully, the Chiefs are one of the healthier teams in the league right now. And uh, I think this, regardless, though, in the NFL, when you are playing this long of a season, especially with a 17-game schedule, this is something that is much needed for any regardless of what your current injury status is. A team that has been through a lot, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of pressure. This is going to be a good week for the Chiefs. It's going to be a good week for us here, quite frankly, because we get an opportunity to kind of recap and, and reflect on what's going on with the, in the season so far to this point. We have our guy from the Shaggy Shane Show, Shaggy Shane Williams, joining us in just a second. We also have former Chiefs tight end Jason Dunn going to be joining us in just a moment as well. We're double-dipping on the guests this week because, you know what, we don't really have a game to reca- to preview this week. So we thought, you know what, let's get the idea, let's get the mindset, let's get, let's get some takeaways from both an OG fan an OG Chiefs fan, how they handle the bye week, and from a former pro athlete on how they handle the bye week as well. I thought it'd be a really good opportunity to get some interesting thoughts and viewpoints on that as well. But I'm going to start something, and we're just going to give a quick little recap of what we took from that Chiefs-Cowboys game this last week because we need to get to our guests as soon as possible. I don't want to keep these guys waiting. These are high-profile guests, man, and damn it, they demand their time, and we we, we demand to give them their time as well. Something I took away from this Chiefs-Cowboys game that actually sounds a little odd. I tweeted it out, and uh, it was something that I actually, I mean, I, I genuinely believe this is the case. The, the, the offensive struggles the Chiefs had, this game ended up at 19-9. to and, and we all anticipated coming into this matchup that the Chiefs and Cowboys were probably going to score at will. It was going to be a high-scoring game. I anticipated that the Chiefs, I said before the show was over in episode 143 last week, that the key here is to, epi- to, to hold a team to 27 or fewer points because when you do that, you win 95% of the time with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. That's statistically proven. And I said, that's what the Chiefs need to focus on. Well, the Chiefs' defense did more than that. They held the Cowboys out of the end zone. You can make your excuses about Amari Cooper being out. They had C.D. Lamb in the first half, and he did absolutely nothing. And Charverius Ward shut him down and picked off Dak Prescott in the end zone trying to hit him. C.D. Lamb did suffer an injury, but that Cowboys team is extremely talented on both sides of the ball. So there are no excuses, and I don't want to hear that. I don't want to sit here and try to take away from the fact losing Amari Cooper isn't impactful, but you had more than enough to get at least in the end zone one time and make that a real game. But the Chiefs, even though they scored less than 20 points, that game to me never felt close. It always felt like the Chiefs were in complete control because Dak Prescott and his offense could never get into any rhythm whatsoever. And that is why this is what I'm this is what I want to bring up real quick. I want to get your guys' thoughts on this game because I think this this recap is so simplistic. 
the offense didn't have a great game. They scored two two uh, touchdowns in the first half. And you're thinking, okay, they're gonna they're gonna roll. This yeah. this offense is gonna Looked roll. Good. And then all of a sudden, you started to see some things. You start seeing Travis Kelsey drop the pass interception. You see them start to miss Q on offense again. You're thinking, shit, Losing the Cowboys the are gonna, the Cowboys are gonna win this game, aren't they? But you know why the offensive struggles excite me? Because they no longer have to be great on offense to win big games. That is official. We don't need Patrick Mahomes to put on the cape each and every time a big game is around, or even a normal game, a game against a team you should beat. It has felt many times since 2018 that Patrick Mahomes has to be great and otherworldly in order for the Chiefs to just squeak by. That is no longer the case. And it's so crazy to me to think back just five weeks ago, four or five weeks ago, when this defense was playing at a historically bad level, and for them to still go out there, change their ways midseason, and play at a historically good level at, over the last five weeks. It's incredible what they're doing. You've got to give Spagnuolo praise. You've got to give this defense praise. Melvin Ingram, we go down the list. But the fact is now, we have a defense in Kansas City that we can be confident they can actually lead to victories. And that's the type of victories, those are the type of victories that make you feel comfortable in saying that this team now is the favorites out of the AFC once again. Not the AFC West. The AFC. I think this is the, now the prohibitive favorites out of the AFC as it goes. It's a long season. Things can change like it has before because everyone thought the Bills after week five were the, without question, Super Bowl favorites out of the AFC. Now we're seeing that swiftly change and quickly change. This defense gives me a lot more confidence because the fact that Patrick Mahomes is still having certain struggles, the offense is having still certain struggles, and they're winning games by double digits against Super Bowl favorites out of the NFC. I love what I saw from this defense. The offense is not; These struggles are not going to last forever. This offense is going to bounce back. We're going to see more of those Raiders-style games as the season progresses and the playoffs start to get here. The fact that this defense is doing what they're doing gives me hope that this team's going to make another late push into the AFC playoffs. Trevor, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you guys remember when I said I think this defense has a chance to be top 10 the rest of the way. Since the second half of that Titans game, they've been top five uh, in points allowed and pressures, all the above. They, I mean, the numbers have completely. And Melvin Ingram might be the catalyst for that improvement and that new um, juice that this defense has, man. And Frank Clark being healthy at the right time, Chris Jones being moved back into his normal position. Uh, everything is clicking right now defensively. Um, and Traverius Ward has been on it, man. That guy has been nails lately. Him and Snead have been a duo right now. And it all starts up front. And that defensive front, when they're getting pressure, is making quarterbacks uneasy. It's allowing our, our secondary to feast. And that's what's been taking place. And I love it. Um, but, yeah, I think, like I said, man, heading into this game, like I said before, when we were previewing this one, I was talking about the, I think the biggest headline that no one's talking about in comparison here and going into this matchup is the coaching, the head coaching. Uh, I think we saw that. I think we saw Mike McCarthy kind of shit in the bed. Uh, not wanting to adjust. they I think they ran the ball only like 15 times. 16. 16 times. They got Pollard in a household name, Ezekiel Elliott, with that great offensive line. Granted, they were without, I think, their right tackle. The right tackle was Left out. tackle, Tyron Smith. Yeah, so that's a big loss, but still, that's still Who's a very – terrible the next week right, against the Raiders. Right, but that's still a very good offensive line. It's still one of the best. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you don't run the ball. Like, you got to – I mean, you got to give Dak – that's how Dak – Dak's that kind of quarterback. He's that, that play-action kind of quarterback. Um, so – Dak can never get a rhythm. There was, this, and then obviously losing C.D. Lamb right at the end of that first half was big, big for them too. Because, but he wasn't doing jack shit really the entirety of that game for the most part. You know, and they couldn't get Schultz open over the middle at all, which they've used that a lot. They used that a lot this past game against the Raiders. Um, but that defense got shredded by Derek Carr. So I don't, I don't really know what to think of the the Cowboys right now moving forward. They're kind of, I mean, obviously they need their their main two targets back. That's going to be helping them offensively for sure. But. Um, yeah, as far as the Chiefs go, man, this like you said, this game never really felt close. We felt like the better team from start to finish, which we were. 
Um, defensively, man, I mean, we can't. I mean, what more can you say? We're getting pressures. Chris Jones had three and a half sacks, really four sacks. Um, Frank Clark was just an absolute animal off the edge, bro. Like you called it, you got your, you nailed your defensive pick, and I nailed. Well, I wasn't gonna say, anything, and I nailed but, you know, hey, you know. How many times are you gonna nail Traverius Ward getting a pick? Right. You know, and you were you were even saying when we were previewing the game, I don't think this defense <laughs> is gonna get any picks. We had two motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, and then the linebackers, you know, Willie Gay and, and Bolton and Hitchens are all looking good right now. They're all moving around. They're all rotating around. Willie Gay especially, dude's an athletic freak, man. Is he can he can stay healthy? He's got a bright future in this defense, and Nick Bolton as well. Um, but yeah, I'm loving everything about this defense. They're playing angry. That's what I wanted, man. That's what it, it, they look disciplined and they're playing mean. Now you got you got to be mean out there. We were playing way too nice. Tyrone was making business decisions. Chris Jones had a wrist, you know. So like there was things <laughs> going on. Um, so I just love what I'm seeing from these guys right now defensively and the offense. We looked good. We looked good coming out of the gates. Um, we were getting the ball out quick. We were running the ball well. Clyde looked good. Clyde looked really good. That was really good. That was good to see him just hitting the gaps and just going for it instead of dancing around too much. He was being patient, but not too patient because he was doing way too much dancing around earlier on in the year. But um, I think he needs to trust that O-line. Those O-line, that O-line is big, and they love to run block, and I think Clyde's going to eat the rest of the way as long as he can stay healthy. So I'm not worried about the offense. I'm right there with you, especially with the rest of our um, schedule ahead. we got some teams that we can feast on. Uh, a lot of them are divisional foes, so looking forward to that. But overall, man, this game, how can you not be impressed with our team? You know, four straight victories, uh, going against a team that, we, you know, if we lost to, we would have been like, you know what, it is what it is, a good team. But we went, we went out there and we were the better team from start to finish, and I couldn't be happier, man. Man, let's start with the defense. Wow, like what a fucking game. <laughs> that, was a, a, that was the best game I've seen defense play in, uh, I would say, two, three years. I'm not even going to say Especially I've Frank Clark. the Bengals game in the 2018 uh, season. Yeah, and the, the Sunday night game. Absolutely shut him it was, down. It was yeah. vintage Chris Jones it, and Frank was, Clark, man. It was, it was amazing so to see Frank Clark in there putting that pressure. Chris Jones getting there. Jaron Reed getting in there, mm. which we haven't heard his name at all throughout the, throughout the season. Yeah. Uh, I believe he just got his first sack a couple weeks ago. Right. So he's starting to get that pressure in that quarterback. He's starting to become that player that we hoped he wa- he would be uh, in this defense, and then Melvin Ingram, holy shit, it's a madman. It, it, that was the best addition the Chiefs could have done this the, this season. Brett like, Beach, get it done. He could have gotten done before the season started, but some, so I don't know what happened there. But either either way, uh, he ended up with us, and man, our corners look great, our safeties look great. Tyron Matthew played with a with a swollen knee, and he mm-hmm. it, it looked like he didn't even face leadership. Him. He was leading his men. He was out there. He he let that fucking team. Yeah. He let that defense. Uh, there's just not, nothing nothing bad I can say about this defense. Uh, the picks, uh, the pressure they were putting on Dak, they made Dak look like a bad quarterback. And he's a great quarterback. And they to make Dak possibly elite. Bad, yeah. yeah. Uh, to make Dak a fucking bad quarterback this game. He even uh, he uh, Dak Prescott, I believe, came out and said that they got punched in the mouth by the Chiefs. That was just a, mm. uh, them punching them in the mouth. So that was that was amazing to see. Uh, the offense, like I said last week, I was uh, I wanted to see uh, see see them stay consistent yeah. after the Raiders game, and obviously they couldn't do that this week. They started off hot, but then they went right back into what we've seen the first seven eight weeks of football to that to that. To the to the offense that struggles, mm-hmm. and and I know everybody was saying the Chiefs are back, Chiefs are back. Well, the defense is back. Mm-hmm. The offense is still yet to be seen. Uh, we did see it against the Raiders, but it, the the Raiders are a bad football team as of right now, uh, because of all the uh, off off the field issues that they definitely bad with. defense. Exactly, and, and bad defense secondary for sure. Uh, 
but I wanted to see this this offense stay consistent to that to that uh to the Rangers game. And this game was a game for them to prove that hey, we are back. We are the offense that you've seen in the past. We are the offense that you saw last week against the Raiders. But yeah, they this week they all struggled. Patrick Mahomes was not at his best. He had a all right game. I wouldn't say all right. He had a bad game just like Dak. Uh just Dak played a little bit worse, but they both had bad games. Travis Kelsey dropping passes. Uh, it, it's just back to the same old. Tyreek Hill uh, was damn near shut out in that second half. I yeah, he had like the, two catches maybe the in the second turnover, half. turnover, again, again yeah. with the two, turnover, two turnovers, yeah. the fumble with uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. At that point, I, I know he was trying. He, it, it was a hole he could have just gotten. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, Micah Parsons is just a fucking, he's a beast. Yeah. He's a fucking beast. Caught up to Patrick Mahomes. I think at that point, because uh, I, I think Patrick Mahomes looked back at that point, you, you see Micah Parsons just chasing you. Just He's just got to throw that ball away in my Either mind. throw it away or yeah. just go down. Take the sack at that point. Don't You can't risk them hitting you from the back and uh, getting uh, losing the ball and yeah. obviously turning on the ball over and uh, risking almost a touchdown in that position. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Defense is back. Offense, I'm yet to still see it. So, Well, and here's the cool thing. Like I said, the reason I feel so confident, I, I don't know if Shaggy's waiting for us yeah, or not, is. but one last thought, and we're going we're gonna to get to Shaggy, is the fact that this is almost like a reversal of fortunes when you talk about the 2018 season and how the offense had to save the defense each and every week. And now you're looking at a defense that has been saving this struggling offense. And why I feel so confident is because not only is the defense winning games, but we all know that this offense is going to eventually click back in because of the greatness of Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis yeah, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. Yeah. The offensive line being completely rejuvenated and is so much more talented than it has been over the last three or four years. That's why I feel confident in this. And that's why this game, regardless of who, what Cowboy players were out or not, if you'd have told me that this Cowboys team, regardless of having Amari Cooper out and C. Lamb getting hurt in this game, would only score nine points, I'd have thought you were absolutely absurd. Even with the defense playing as better as they have over the last three, four weeks, so that's what that's where I that's where my I thoughts mean, are on it. I think about it this way: if we have an elite quarterback, and we know this offense has by far the potential to be elite, and then our defense is playing elite. Yeah, that's a great formula for winning games and or Super Bowls. So. Yeah. Well, I believe we are officially joined by the man that I call the OG of Chiefs Kingdom, a man that represents this uh, Chiefs fan, uh, the Chiefs fan base better than I think anybody in the world does. A good personal friend of mine, a man that I always look to and seek counsel with when it comes to anything Chiefs related, life related too. This guy's been through a lot, and he knows what he knows the world better than anyone I know. I want to give it up to our guy, Mr. Shaggy Shane Williams. How we doing, Shaggy Shane? I can't be any better sitting amongst these three gentlemen, Lance Twidwell, Trevor Twidwell, and Eddie Ortiz on Thanksgiving weekend. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Kansas City Chiefs freaks worldwide of all ages, it's an honor to be back on Zoom with my boys four weeks later. Here I am. Let's do this, brothers. Let's do it. So, Shane, this is this is where I started the show. I, I recapped on the Chiefs-Cowboys game. I talked about how, despite the offensive struggles through all four quarters, we saw a defense that can win this team games. And that's why I'm excited about the Chiefs' offensive struggles because they didn't need Patrick Mahomes to put on the cape in order for them to win a game at this magnitude. We knew this was a big game coming into last week. Regardless of what Cowboys were injured, regardless of who they were missing, Nobody thought the Chiefs were going to hold them to nine points, and they did just that. They held Dak Prescott out of the end zone, picked him off multiple times, strip-sacked, as I predicted before last week. 
I think this defense is f- for real. That's I mean that's without question. But now they are a defense that I put my faith in that can and will win games if and when Patrick Mahomes and the offense isn't perfect, isn't great, or even isn't good. What was your takeaway from that Cowboys game last week? The takeaway from that game was the defense is great. But I need to say this because the common knock, the common theme of the Chiefs fan base, and Chiefs Kingdom, and I'm not slamming the freaking kingdom. Chiefs Kingdom is the best when it comes to NFL fan bases. There's no better fan base than Chiefs Kingdom. The common freaking thing everybody wants to say is, while Patrick Mahomes is struggling, while this offense is in a funk, while this offense is not doing well, while Patrick is not playing good, while Patrick is not doing this, while Patrick is not doing that, Patrick Mahomes has carried this team for three full seasons. We've only had two quarterbacks previously in the entire franchise history who have taken the Chiefs to AFC Championship games, Lynn Dawson and Joe Montana. Patrick Mahomes has taken this team to three straight AFC Championship games, an AFC Championship game, and two Super Bowls. Now is the time where he can't keep carrying the team. He can still be great. We have seen it in earlier days. When I was in fifth and sixth grade in 1980 and 1981, when the San Diego Chargers were unstoppable, Dan Fouts, a Hall of Fame quarterback in Canton, took the Chargers to two straight AFC Championship games against the Raiders and the Bengals. But after that, that window closed. The Los Angeles St. Louis Rams from 1999 through 2001. He was epic. Kurt Warner and that offense was freaking unstoppable. What happened the fourth season? That freaking window was closed. Patrick Mahomes, I am not going to ever say his window was closed because the kid just turned 26. This is his fourth year in the league. Defenses are doing their best way to slow him down. But to say that there is a problem with him is, in my opinion, unfair. About the defense, the defense is freaking coming into its own because of the addition of Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram, since since Brett Veach swallowed his pride, and as I said on my last two Shaggy Shane shows, and made the trade for Melvin Ingram, Spags has been able to put Chris Jones back in defensive tackle where he shined. He's been able to move Frank Clark up and down the defensive line, not to mention Charvarius Ward and Legereus Sneed are playing lights out at cornerback. And, oh, if you look at Pro Football Focus tweet 30 minutes ago that I just retweeted, freaking Rashad Fenton is rated number two in NFL right now behind Jalen Ramsey. So these cornerbacks are looking great. And to compare what the Chiefs' defense has done the three years, this reminds me of the 1990s when our defense was elite. And sometimes our offense was unable to move the ball with Christian Okoye or Marcus Allen. This defense is freaking playing at an elite level because of the addition of Melvin Ingram and because of the cornerbacks. That interception by Charvarius Ward was huge last week. That looked like Dale Carter in his prime, daddy. Going up, one-on-one coverage, it was Charvarius Island because when that ball was in the air and it was coming down to C.D. Lamb, we all thought, oh, gosh, please don't fall over C.D. Lamb and cause a pass interference. We just thought we thought the worst. But when freaking Charvarius Ward used his athletic ability, went up and made that interception, we knew we had a cornerback. And Sneed's been a beast. And like I said, Fenton, this defense is playing at a high level. And they're going to need to continue to do it the last six games of this season. Am I thrilled about the defense? Hell yeah, we all are. But in my opinion, let's 
let's not slam Patrick. You may think, oh, hold on, Shaggy. It's easy for you to say you love Patrick so much since he was coming out of tech. My point is, no, I've been critical of Patrick Mahomes some this season. But I cringe at the fact that, man, Mahomes isn't Mahomes. Well, it's because he raised the bar so damn high. So let's 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 take it easy on the knock and the criticism of number 15. When it comes to raising the bar and expectations, there's also a player on the on the defensive side that I want to talk about real quick as well. It's the highest paid player on this team, and it's Frank Clark. And there is a wide range of opinions and emotions that are expressed towards Frank Clark and about Frank Clark in Chiefs Kingdom, if you will. And I think the biggest reason is because you see these these pockets of time where Frank Clark looks like this guy that's worth the money he's getting made, he's making, which is $1.4 million per game. And then you'll hear nothing from him for four or five weeks at a time. And it's very frustrating because I think it's a lot of effort-based material that he's giving us. Where if he's give a crap Clark, he looks like a guy that's unstoppable and this defense looks unstoppable. But when he's milk carton Clark, then it's a guy that is literally just killing this defense and sapping any energy that they have. And you see that across the board. Now, Melvin Ingram has helped out big time. But what are you seeing from Frank Clark that you're really admiring or that you're liking? And do you think that this is going to be sustainable for the rest of the season? Or is this just one of those small pockets of time where he gives a crap, Clark? Man, Lance, uh, you love talking about Frank Clark, don't you? <laughs> He makes a lot of money, man. <laughs> he is the reason the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl in 2019. You know it and I know it. If Brett Beach doesn't make that trade for Frank Clark, we don't win the Super Bowl, in my opinion, because he would have had to give that money to D. Ford. And where in the hell is D. Ford? Specifically, He's offside somewhere. Right. Specifically to this season okay. and to that specific question, um, Frank Clark is in one-on-one. He's, he's – since – and we're only going to freaking talk about this month. This month, because four weeks ago when I was on this show with you, it was rock bottom. It was peaks and valleys of the season, and we were deep in the valley. Tyron Matthew was attacking Harold Koontz and Chiefs fans on social media. Look where we've come in this four weeks. And to answer your question about Frank Clark, in the last four weeks, with the addition of Melvin Ingram since the Packers game, he's been one-on-one. Spags has had him on the left. He's had him on the right. He's had him on the middle. He's been able to show blisses. And, and he's, Frank Clark's playing hungry. I like Frank Clark. I've always been a fan of his. I don't know what's going to happen to him next year. Obviously, if the Chiefs sign him, uh, it's going to have to be cheaper. But we will evaluate that in March. Um, but right now, I love Frank Clark. Who couldn't love Frank Clark? The guy's hungry. The guy has got Melvin Ingram and Chris Jones and freaking Jerron Reed by him playing on, on creating matchups for the opposing offensive line. And Melvin Ingram's done a lot for Jerron Reed. Even uh, Eddie just said before I came on, he said, you know, we're seeing a lot from Jerron Reed the last couple of weeks. It's because of Melvin Ingram. And people may think, well, is it because of Terrell Suggs kind of addition? No, I think uh, Melvin Ingram brings more than Terrell Suggs, even though that was a good addition. But to specifically answer that question, I love Frank Clark. He's playing at a high level. Do I think he's, did I think he had an early bad part of the season? Yeah, but he was dealing with an injury. Which he always seems to. It's kind of like, hey, if you sign Frank Clark to your team the first couple months, he's going to be dealing with this, that, and the other. But the last couple months, he's going to be showing what he can do. A couple more questions for you here, Daggy. You've been doing this for a long time. And I'm not talking about being an entertainer to Chiefs fans abroad. I'm talking about you've been watching this team. You've been dedicated to this team for many, many years now. You've seen a lot of bye weeks. Now, we know how successful this team has been under Andy Reid and under his tutelage over the last eight, nine years 
after bye weeks. So I'm anticipating the Chiefs are going to maintain their success that they've been building over the last four weeks under Andy Reid after this bye week. But you as a fan, tap into that a little bit. How do you handle the bye week? What do you take away from the first portion of the season? And what are you expecting in the second portion of the season as a fan, as a fan of, of this team for the last 30 years? Well, let's take a little trip down memory lane, shall we? <laughs> we shall. 30 years ago, 30 years ago, when the NFL implemented the bye week, do you remember Do you remember November 1st, 1991? I think, Lance, you were three, Trevor was one. So I'm going to think you guys probably don't remember. I don't know how old Eddie was 30 years ago. But on born. November – You were what? I wasn't born. Not He's born. a twinkle in the eye. The NFL on November 1st, 1991, had a bye where every single team play, did not play. There was no football. So – you kind of looked at it like, man, there's no football this week at all. So they realized their mistake. And in 1992, they spread out the bye weeks, how we do it now. But in 1993, the NFL had every team have two bye weeks. So by having every team have two bye weeks, uh, there was no second week. There was no bye week for the Super Bowl. So the Chiefs had a bye like week four and a bye week seven. And we were happy about having two byes that early because Joe Montana was on his one of his last legs. But specifically – how do I celebrate the buys? I celebrate it by just chilling with the family and about the Chiefs because nobody wants to hear about me. They want to hear about the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs will rep- respond from the buy. They always have. Andy Reid's had a good uh, record coming out of the buy, except four years ago when he had to go play Dallas with Alex Smith. But we're not talking about that. Uh, for the most part, coming out of the buy, Andy Reid has his team prepared. I like the fact that we're coming out of the buy playing against Denver. I will be at that game Sunday night football. So. Watch Shaggy Shan post from But this buy, I think, is important because of the injuries and the nicks and we've been suffering from. Tyreek Hill has has been kind of slow on some uh, some injuries. You can see when he's coming up. Sometimes he's kind of dinged up. Kelsey, Kelsey has been uh, biting his lip on some plays because you can tell he's injured, but. He, it hasn't been known. It hasn't been like you never see Travis Kelsey on the sidelines going, ah, I'm hurt. But you can tell a lot of people that are watching football, something isn't right with Kelsey. So I think this buy comes at a right time, and I can't wait to uh, come out of this buy in style, baby, and freaking address the West by another division championship. Couple more questions for you here, Shaggy, and we're going to let you out of here. And we appreciate your time as always, man. We really do. Because I, I, I actually resent the statement that you said that nobody cares about you. Trust me, we care about you, and everybody out there in Chiefs Kingdom cares about you, bro. Trust me, you, you're a very well accepted and loved man around these parts. But thank you. You're welcome, man. Of course, of course. The least I could do. When it comes to the AFC, I think it's now, at least in my opinion, maybe you disagree, but I, I don't think you're going to because I know you well enough. I think that the Chiefs now are back to the top when it comes to who the favorite out of the AFC currently is. And it's a long season. Five weeks ago, we thought it was the Bills. Now it's the Chiefs again in my eyes. But if you do agree with that, if you do agree that the Chiefs are now currently atop the AFC, we have to ask the question because this conference as a whole is wide open. There is, outside of the Chiefs, in my eyes, no true contender. There's just a bunch of teams beating the crap out of themselves, and we'll see how everything shakes down. Who right now currently, though, is the biggest threat to the Chiefs from getting to the third straight Super Bowl? Baltimore Ravens. And it's because they find a way to win. They consistently find a way to win late when they're down, regardless of who's playing quarterback, regardless of who's – the running back is, regardless of who's even injured for the Baltimore Ravens. 
they keep making plays when you think they're done. When you think, wow, they lost that game. Here comes Baltimore. 66-yard field goal attempt week four against Detroit. Okay, yeah, and he makes it. Uh, Chicago goes up late on them last week, and you think, oh, man, they lost it. There's no way this nobody quarterback is going to go down the field and freaking make plays happen. Well, who does he hit? The Lizard King. Sammy Watkins comes out of nowhere. Sammy Watkins hasn't done anything the last four weeks. The Bears probably forgot he was on the field. He makes the catch, and then two play, uh, next play they score the game winner. So Baltimore is my biggest fear. They got that stud Owen, who that defensive end, I think that's his last name. He forced uh, Clyde Edwards-Lair to fumble the football. Um, is Oway, yeah. Oway uh, is actually the guy that the Chiefs, or they drafted yes. with the trait, the first-round pick that they gave for Orlando Brown. Yeah, More salt in the wound. <laughs> <laughs> that was our pick. But we got uh, Orlando Brown Jr., yada, yada. But it just seems like they they have my respect. They have my respect, and I think it's going to be, just my opinion, we stay healthy. Uh, Lamar Jackson quits getting ill and getting sick and yada, yada. Uh, I think it's going to be the Chiefs at Baltimore for the AFC Championship game, and I would love to see it because we had that game won. Um, and week two, we had that game won. So I think it's going to be Chiefs and Baltimore. Buffalo, man, what is Buffalo? The team that just beat the Saints and won in Arrowhead or the team that lost, uh, gosh, the Colts ran up and down on them. So it's hard to tell with Tennessee and Buffalo. You want to say, oh, yeah, it's definitely Tennessee and Buffalo. But they've lost some really bad games. And I know you may think, well, the Chiefs have lost some bad games. But this we're talking about other teams now. Baltimore, Tennessee, and Buffalo will be in the mix. But I think it's Chiefs and Baltimore that will close out the AFC in late January. We actually had a question from Stan Simmons, one of our frequent flyers in the Monday mailbag. He asked a question to us, and I wanted to ask it to you. When it comes to a best-case scenario or the best storyline, let's say the Chiefs get to the Super Bowl again, who would you like to see them face the most? Are you looking for a revenge factor? Are you looking for a best matchup factor, storyline, whatever the case is? What team would you like to see the Chiefs face in the Super Bowl if they end up getting there? That's a good question. And Naturally, you don't care when you're there. The L.A. Rams would be good just because it'd be the second time the Chiefs played a home team in their freaking uh, home team on their field in the Super Bowl. But a not, uh, and this is another thing. Let's talk respect because I would like to see the Chiefs play Arizona. Nobody gives Arizona Cardinals any respect. Nobody. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Everybody's talking team. about the Rams, Tom Brady, the Buccaneers, uh, everybody but Arizona. But Arizona quietly just beats everybody. Arizona went to L.A. and beat them. They got Colt McCoy mm-hmm. as their quarterback now. They tried to get Shane Bouchelle. Thank God we kept him. Uh, they just quietly win every week against good teams playing great football. They went to San Francisco and won. They went to L.A. Rams and won. So I kind of would like it to see uh, Chiefs and Cardinals on your projection show in 2020. Mm-hmm. I had it be the Chiefs and Cardinals on the – I added it on the post. They played terrible in preseason, but Cliff Kingsbury and when Kyler Murray's healthy, Hopkins, they're a damn good team that is not getting any love. So let's make it the Chiefs and the Arizona Cardinals in L.A. this February. Cliff Kingsbury against Patrick. That would be awesome. Yeah. I think think the Chiefs would would roll in that game, to be honest with you. I think that would be a great matchup. That's though in Arizona, man. Regardless. Is that that Trevor? I said that's a good defense in Arizona, too. Yeah. 
It's just they're they're a good team and they just quietly keep winning and shutting opposing offenses down. Oh, they're legit, without a doubt. Nine right. wins. I mean, give me the, give me the Chiefs plus plus uh, minus seven and a half. No, we got We got to give them a twenty point lead and then <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it seems not how how it always. Well, that, that is our guy Shaggy Shane. Shaggy, I always allow you to have the platform to say whatever it is you want to say at the very end. Give your little walk-off speech. Give it to us, man. What do you have for the people and where they can find you on social media? You can find me on YouTube at Shaggy Shane Chiefs. Just go there and we'll dissect everything that's going down. Uh, there's a lot of good things going on with Chiefs groups. Check out Chiefs or Die on Facebook. Fidel Blocker's always got things going on. He's always in opposing uh, defenses. He's always in opposing team cities with his crew, you know, bragging up on the Chiefs, talking about how great we are. You know, there's a lot of good things going on with um, the team. You know, let's let's be honest, guys, all of us. And I want to thank Trevor for his uh, comeback after we hung up four weeks ago with in his defense of Tyron Matthew. That was a dark time for this season. And and as I was talking to Lance privately this week, the how this team chiefs team has been in peaks and valleys and in my opinion the valleys wouldn't be so deep if tyron matthew was not going after the media and the fans but he's he had a teary-eyed apology you know two hours after our show was done of course we all had our opinions then two hours after our show tyron matthew apologized did yeah. he apologize because of me no i'm, I'm not that i'm not that maybe delusional <laughs> i'm not that delusional but um I'm happy that Tyron Matthew did apologize because Chiefs Kingdom loves the dude. We love the guy. We need him. It, it, it's important that he just stays the leader and and doesn't uh, attack fans on local on social media because Chiefs Kingdom has his back. Even when we are upset about him missing a tackle, we love Tyron Matthew. We love the Chiefs, and let's enjoy this ride. The last six games because. You know, usually when you're seven or four, you think there's five games left. No, we got six games left. We got two straight against two good AFC West division opponents right here at Arrowhead Stadium. Back to back Sunday night. I will be there prime time and I will do my post game there. It's going to be electric just because it is Sunday night football at Arrowhead Stadium. You know, this division is up for the Chiefs to run away with, to take, and the rest of the AFC is ready for the Chiefs. But I believe the Chiefs will be ready for the rest of the AFC. And again, Patrick Mahomes raised this bar so high that it is it, it is okay for him to win 19 to 9. Let let's let's take it easy on right. the criticism of Patrick. He'll tell you himself he could do better and he could play better. But I love you guys. Have a happy Thanksgiving weekend. Take care Eddie, Trevor, and Lance. Love you, bro. Love you, man. Thank you so much, as always, for being with us, dude. And I'm sure we'll talk more today about what we're doing in this bye week because I'm going to be bored as hell. I, I, I mean, we're doing a show here, and this is a blast. But, man, we don't got any material to really go off of when it comes to a preview. This just feels kind of odd. But the show goes on, and you are one of the most important parts of what we do here at this, the Spoken Podcast. So thank you so much, Shaggy. Hey, hey, Ray, real quick, can I ask a question? Yeah. Who do you three, real quick question, like tomorrow? Chargers at Denver. Who do you like? I I'm actually I, I actually like the Broncos. I actually like the Broncos in this matchup only because of the fact that they can run the ball well. They have a decent enough defense to slow down Herbert, and it seems like at, over the last month Herbert's been really struggling to be consistent at all. So I'm going to actually lean more on the Broncos side, but you can always convince me to go with the Chargers who have, clearly have the better quarterback in this matchup. Who do you like, Trevor and Eddie? I like the Chargers. I think they're just better – uh, offensively, I think they're going to do what the Cowboys were expected to do to them. I think they're going to go out there. And I think I think Mike Williams could have a big game. He's just so much bigger than their corners. 
And I, I think Kenan Allen's going to eat up. They can stop Austin Eckler all day, but I think Mike Williams has been clicking too. So him, he, him being a big, I think he's six foot six, six foot seven receiver. Their corners just aren't going to be able to handle that if they go one on one. So I think I think it could be a, a big game for the Chargers. And I think I just don't buy the Broncos. So I think that it's a letdown spot for them. I'm going to go with the uh, Broncos on this. Uh, just being the AFC West kind of game, I think it's going to be a lot closer than a lot, a lot of people think. And I think it's going to come down to maybe a field goal or two. So I'm going to give the Broncos the edge on this one because, like I said, it's an AFC West game. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I love you guys, man. Thanks for the thanks for having me on, and uh, I'll be back again whenever you guys are ready for me. Maybe in four weeks and we'll talk about the playoffs or we'll definitely break down what the Chiefs – We'll probably be doing it free agency. I love you guys. Keep up the good work. Go Chiefs. Love you, bro. Thank you so much, man. We gotta we gotta definitely thank Shaggy for having for coming on. Not just because, you know, he obviously brings great content to the show, but it's also for the fact that uh four weeks ago when he came on the show, I don't know if he did mention in his his diatribes, but after that show, things changed for the Chiefs. They haven't lost a game since. Yeah. So I'm not sitting here saying that there's anything to it, but I'm saying there might be something it's to shaggy, it. I don't man. know. It's Shaggy. It's Shaggy. You it's know him. what I mean? So we are waiting for our guy Jason Dunn, former Chiefs tight end, to be joining us in just a minute. He's one of the hosts of the Chiefs Concerns podcast. Great show. You guys should be definitely following him on Twitter and just listening to their show, period. Him and Eric Warfield have an incredible show that I love listening to it's each and every content. week when they post it. But in the meantime, if it's all right with Eddie, I'd like to jump onto the Eddie hours so we can kill some time because we're trying to keep you guys busy too, man. Like, like I said, it's not a Chiefs week. You know, I know that we still do the Red Friday podcast, uh, the Spoken podcast, all those things, guys. But at the same time, we got to keep the show rolling. You know, it, regardless of whether the Chiefs play or not, there's other games to be had. Like my guy Shaggy said, which, by the way, it's not a Shaggy Shane segment unless he's asking us a question to reverse the roles around here. <laughs> and I really do like that matchup, though. I think that's going to be one of the more interesting matchups because it is in Denver. Denver's, for us, too. Denver's desperate for a playoff spot. They're still yes. in playoff contention. Uh, the Chargers just, are literally the what, Broncos, half game behind us. The, the Broncos always seem to, uh, to surprise you too. Like exactly. who thought them? Who thought they were going to win that game against the Cowboys? Let alone go up thirty to nothing. In yeah, I don't. Yeah. The Chargers are not, dude. The Chargers have a lot of weaknesses. I, I think that's a very interesting game. I'm glad Shaggy brought that up. They've been clicking, really they've been clicking offensively defense. lately. Oh yeah, for sure. The Broncos can so run the ball. They have one of the, the better Broncos, defenses yes. in football. I'm just saying, yes. man. Just, yeah, just be prepared if, for that if, to be a Chargers loss. If they loss. go down early, though, that the Broncos wouldn't be able to run the ball as much. And you know Justin Herbert has been peaks and valleys, man. He's for been sure. peaks we'll, and valleys. Yeah, okay, we'll see if he can actually stay consistent. So. Right. And they've been so, clicking off as we'll the last see. couple weeks. So, again, we'll thank you, Shaggy, that. for bringing that up because that could have been a very heated debate if we really wanted to break that down because I, I know that's that that's a good, that's a good I mean, matchup, I want them man. Both, can they both lose, please? I mean, that's what I want. But yeah. Just have them tie. Yeah. I don't actually think that helps the Chiefs at all. They need some of those teams to lose, damn it. All right. We want the Chargers to lose, guys. Yeah. Better team. What is in the out? What is in the Eddie hour this right, week, man? man? We, we obviously play the Cowboys two weeks ago, and then the, we saw the Rangers play the Cowboys here on Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving uh, Day. Oh, what's happened to the Cowboys? What, what is happening to this team? To put it like I said about the simplistic recap of that game last week against the Chiefs, they are battling with key injuries. There's no question about it. Randy Gregory's out. Dak's just coming back. From Dak, yeah, Dak's still banged up with yep. his shoulder and leg injury that he's still recovering from. Yep. CeeDee Lamb's banged up. Uh, Amari Cooper, the list goes on, man. Like They're not just losing role players. They're losing star guys on both sides of the ball. So that is something that you have to consider. But there's also really bad management. Uh, Mike McCarthy had a timeout to burn at the end of that game, lost by a field goal to the Raiders, didn't use it. They are the most penalized team, and it's not close in the NFL. It's not close. They had 14 penalties against the Raiders last week, so or this week. So 
this team has a lot of fundamental flaws as well. Not just injuries, because even when they were healthy, you saw these fundamental flaws. You saw them against the Broncos. You saw them against other teams. They squeak, they squeak by by the Chargers, but they were penalized 13 times in that game as well. So this team, this is why I never bought into them, because Mike McCarthy is a coach that just cannot get out of his own way. He is literally the worst version of what Andy Reid, his problems are. Andy Reid has clock management problems. Mike McCarthy is 10 times as worse. So those flaws, they just seem to always haunt you. And when you have a team like this that just really needs leadership and you don't have that, you start to see losses like this start to stack up. Yeah, I mean, simply off, like you said, to simplify it, I mean, they are dealing with a lot of injuries, a lot of um, missing bodies, important bodies, offensive line, defensive linemen. Your two number one offensive weapons are, are been gone mostly the last you know game and a half. So that's, I mean, a huge blow. But I still thought they should have went out there and beat the Raiders. They should have beat the Raiders. It's not a, that's a, that's one of the worst secondaries in the league right now. They were already pretty bad heading into the year. Um, but, but they've, they've thrived up having good pressure up front, but they have no one of note in that secondary. Uh, uh, and they're banged up and they've lost a lot of bodies. You know, um, Abram is a decent, uh, safety, but overall they've had, they don't, they do not have good corners. Lost Arnett. You know, there's so many guys like that defense is, is really, in flux and they were able to get after Dak uh, make him uncomfortable granted it was a high scoring game so both offenses were playing well um, it was just yeah Derek Carr balled out I gotta give him credit on that he definitely balled out against that, that Dallas defense um, but yeah I mean I don't know what the, this this Dallas team I think once they get their pieces back I mean obviously they're gonna be a good offense they put up what uh, you know they're putting up points still without their weapons overall and Zeke looks banged up still um, if it wasn't for a Pollard kick return touchdown that would have been even more of a bigger loss um, so I don't know, man. It's I, I never bought into them either. I I I have yet to see Dak really win big important games. If I'm being honest, I think he has one playoff win right in his career. So I don't know, man. I, and and then Mike McCarthy, I always that always gives me pause. He's not he's not a great head coach in my mind. Uh, he only he's only had success under one of the greatest, if not the greatest, quarterback in my mind to ever throw a football. Um, so I, I mean. Yeah, there's a lot of things that they have to figure out still, and it's um, it's trending downward right now. But I do I do believe once they get Amari Cooper back, C.D. Lamb's back from his concussion, that's when that offense is firing. And they're still a scary team. I'm not going to count them out in any, I, in any way. I do want to report this. Just seven minutes ago, Ian Rappaport tweeted out that the Titans have placed A.J. Brown on injured IR, the oh, IR. No, I knew so they, was out they this literally week. have no weapons right now. Julio Jones is out this week. No, another Derek team. Cannon. Yeah. Guys, I'm telling you right now, I, I really think the Chiefs are going to get the one seed. They have I'm the not, same. Amount, not, they have I'm, the hold on. They have the same amount of wins as everybody else in the AFC right now, and then they have one few, one more loss in the Ravens. I do think we need to have a discussion about, and I know this team right now wouldn't be a playoff team if it started out, but the Indianapolis Colts rolling, and yes. they need to be yes. talked about. Yes, because Jonathan Taylor and Carson is on Wentz has been very good right now. Carson not, Wentz yeah. has been very good, yeah, not great, well, but very he's just good. Guiding the ship, and then yes. Jonathan Taylor's just destroying people. And bro. they did that without Quentin Nelson. Yeah, like, like Quentin Nelson's the best guard in football, abs- bro. And, and that is a good run defense over there in Buffalo, and he absolutely just 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 pants them yeah. the entire game. Yeah. It was embarrassing. It wasn't even close. And now they got a home game against the Buccaneers who have been struggling. I know they have the best rush defense in the league, yeah. but they have been struggling on defense as a whole for Granted, the last the Bills, three or four weeks. The Bills absolutely just bounce back. I, I still think they're an absolute threat to us. I, I don't want to yeah. see them. I don't. That's a dangerous team. Josh Allen yes. at any moment can explode. But they lost Trey White. But they've had some strange losses. Torn I mean, ACL lost the for Trey White. You know, so, and the Chiefs, yeah. if I could say anything, the Chiefs haven't had any bad losses like that. We've lost, exactly. a good, we've lost all the good teams. Yes. But we don't we don't lose to the Jets and the Giants and, Jags, and all yeah. these you know what I mean yeah. so 
We don't have bad team losses. Right, that's what I'm saying. There's no correct. bad losses. We've you lost. lose to the Giants, we're sitting here talking about a whole different situation. Yeah, right. But because of the fact that the Chiefs are 7-4 and four right now, Imagine the Chiefs, the Chiefs are the hottest team in the Bro. AFC. The, outside of the Colts, the Chiefs are the hottest team in the AFC. Yeah. The hottest They're team. scary right now. So now that you have the well Titans, coached. who currently have the one seed, are losing everybody on offense and defense. Bud Dupree's still banged up. Yeah. You're talking about, uh, there's a golden opportunity here for the Chiefs to grab that once. I think they're going to do it, guys, because if you look at the rest of the Chiefs' schedule, they have the Broncos twice, they have the Chargers one more time in a revenge game, they have the Raiders one more time at Arrowhead, they have the Bengals, a very beatable team, good team, but very beatable. Fiery offense. I'm telling you, man, I I really think the Chiefs are going to, I think they're going to, I was going to make this prediction, I hate that I took over the Eddie Hour, but I'm going to make the prediction now and I'll put it on camera. Remember I said this, the Chiefs are going to win out for the rest of the season. They're going to win every single game for the rest of the season. I feel good about They're that. They're going to go 6-0 and throughout the rest of the season, and we're going to talk about the playoffs. I don't think the Chiefs will lose another game this regular season. I was going to already say that, but after this news broke down, I feel even more confident about the fact the Chiefs can get that one seed. I think they're going to do it. The Bengals might have something to say. They could. They could. They're a very young team, though, and again, they're not very deep. They don't have a lot of depth. They, they have, have very young talent. Very, offense, yeah, they're, they're playing good. I'm talking about the defensive side. They're not deep oh. defensively. They're good defensively, but they're not deep defensively. There's some good individual players, but that offense yeah. scares me, though. The offense is very good. Joe I think yeah. that's going to be a closer game than what people think. Sure, absolutely. So, all right, man. Uh, we seen Aaron Rodgers last week uh, play, and obviously it's come to everybody's concern how serious is his toe injury. Mm-hmm. I want to get your thoughts on that, like the whole toe injury. Is it is it affecting him as a player? It didn't look like it against the Vikings, I'll say that, because he looked fantastic in that game. Uh, but I, I do think that, yes, because the fact that according to scientists that were on, or not scientists, but doctors that were on uh, some radio shows I was listening to throughout the week after he had announced it and showed literally his toe, and Rex Ryan probably loved that, saw his toe right there on the screen. They were talking about how that little toe, is it runs all the way down your foot. So when that's injured in any length, especially broken, it affects everything that your foot does functionality wise. That's why people that lose their yeah, when people lose their little toe, it takes them months to regain balance because you're not used to not having that there. You think it's insurmount or uh, it isn't important, Mm -hmm. but it actually is maybe your most important toe outside of your big toe. So it's gonna it's gonna especially with Aaron Rodgers being an older player. I mean, he's not old, but he's an older player. You're starting to see maybe some some cracks in his armor as the season goes on. It's a little colder outside because it's going to take him a while for that to heal, especially him playing through it. So um, he's great. He's going to continue to be great. He's the top two quarterback in the league with or without toe injury. We saw Patrick Mahomes and how great he was with turf toe. Aaron Rodgers, those guys are just special, man. They just get through this shit. I don't think it's going to affect him to the point where he can't be great anymore, but I do think that you're going to see some of his mobility uh, start to shift a little bit where he's going to have to play a little bit more inside the pocket than he's more more comfortable with because he likes playing in chaos like Patrick does. But I, I do think that it's going to affect him to a to a to a part where to a point where it it can be a, a deficit to his team's success. But he's still going to be good. He's still going to be. Great. Yeah, of course, that's going to affect him. But if this was like a you know a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady, you know a, a t- your typical pocket passer, that's one thing. Aaron Rodgers, his arm talent is different than guys like that. He, he has the ability just to literally flick of the wrist, similar to Patrick Mahomes. Like guys like that, like Gateau, they don't have to plant their foot all the way and lean yeah. to all their throws. They can just be backpedaling and fling that with the flick of the wrist. That They had that kind of talent to where, I mean, we've seen it so many times over and over again. Aaron Rodgers, he, you know, we've seen him play through injuries. We've seen him have hamstrings and not go out there and actually, you know, have a game, win, put, a, put together a game-winning drive. I think he's going to be okay. He's going to obviously play through it. Um, but I don't think Gateau, I think it's his planting foot too. It's on. I think it's on his planting foot, his left foot, I believe. Um, so that's definitely going to affect him. You know, it's going to hurt as he's throwing those throws, but I don't think it's going to affect his accuracy. I don't think it's going to affect his ability to make throws with his with his arm. Um, it's just going to be a nagging injury that's just going to annoy him probably for the rest of the season. 
But I think he's going to play fine. I think he'll be all right. All right, next question. Uh, is this the closest the AFC West has ever been? Uh, it's it, it, probably for the last Shit, 10 years. The AFC in general. I, I would say for the last 10 years. When Peyton Manning got here, it really wasn't close, even though the Chiefs had some good teams. But you knew who was going to be the representation of the AFC every year that Peyton was here. So I'd say it's probably since 2011. I would say so because the Chargers were really good back in 2011. The Chiefs were terrible yeah. in 2011, and the Broncos were good enough to get to the division. It was still very – there was no great teams in the AFC at that time. So I'd say for the last decade, this is without question the tough, the, the closest it's been. You had the Peyton era and then the Mahomes era, over the, or the, the Chiefs won what five straight AFC yeah. Wests? So yeah, it's been a, it's been a solid decade since yeah, it's I agree. been this since, close. Yeah, before Peyton got here, because it was always it was the Peyton show when he got here. Uh, no one was touching the Broncos, but yeah, since Pat's been here, it's been the Patrick Mahomes show, and we've been you know so yeah, we've been pretty much around the table in this division. Um, so yeah, this is and it's exciting. I prefer it this way, man. I like it this way when it's a neck and neck race, and it's every game, every divisional game is extremely uh, competitive. It just makes it for a more tense, fun experience when you're watching the game. Obviously, it feels good and relieved at to, to get the victories at the end of these games but um yeah it's definitely i think the AFC, like i said i think the afc as a whole is completely neck and neck from top to bottom i yeah. mean like we're talking about the colts not gonna be a playoff team right now but they're a team that's rolling right now one of the maybe the best running back in the league right now so yeah um afc west for sure is tight everyone's within a game game and a half of each other you know so especially what happens with this broncos chargers game that can shake some things up too so and the broncos defense is for real the Chargers offense is for real. You know, the, the Raiders are a scrappy fighting team. You know, so everyone has to be respected in this division. And it's, it's just more fun that way. But, yeah, it's definitely tight. It's the tightest it's been since recent memory. All right. That, that was an interesting question <clears throat> on Twitter and on sports media. Uh, all, all this week was, is Josh Allen an elite quarterback? I'm gonna get your my, my see the thing about elite quarterbacks to me is it it always differentiates. I I don't think that you're just elite quarterback just because you've been elite before. It's a very much it's very much what have you done for me lately scenarios when it comes to elite quarterbacks. And I'll be honest, I, I don't think at this current time Josh Allen is an elite quarterback. I think he is definitely right below elite quarterbacks to me right now as it currently stands. I think there's only two elite quarterbacks in the league. Uh, based on how they're playing as of late. I think it's Patrick Mahomes, and I think it's Aaron Rodgers. And you can differentiate as to who's one, who's two. It doesn't matter. I think those are the only two current elite quarterbacks. It it, it, it fluctuates to me. Russell Wilson is almost always a, an elite quarterback, but he's had a, a finger injury. He's no longer right now an elite quarterback, but he's normally there. Deshaun Watson, when he plays, Tom Brady has been throughout the years. But right now, as it currently stands, I don't think Josh Allen is an elite quarterback because of the fact that he's... It's so funny, and I don't want to delve off into this, but it is funny how he's having all these turnover issues. He had five interceptions in his last three games. No one's talking about him being broken, and it's funny because that tells you the difference between him and Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, any of these other quarterbacks and Patrick Mahomes, because it's only a story about these turnovers when it's Patrick Mahomes turning them, turning them over, turning the ball over. These guys are doing it, and it's, oh, it's a slump, oh, it's no big deal, they're winning games, it's fine. But that's not the same story or narrative when it comes to Pat. That tells you the difference between these two quarterbacks and what we expect from them on a weekly basis. So, no, I don't think Josh Allen currently is a, is a an elite quarterback. If you asked me this question last year, and I think we talked about this, I think he was elite last year. His numbers and the way he was playing, that offense, the way he was playing, it was a scary team. Um, you can't really – they haven't looked the same this year. They've had moments of greatness this year. I mean, obviously, they just blew out the Saints. It's a good defense. Um, so that was an impressive win. But this team is, like you said, peaks and valleys. This team is the definition of that. I mean, you lose to the Jags and you're blowing other teams. But they've had maybe the easiest schedule in the league, and he's still struggled against bad teams. Um, so I, 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 right now he's not elite in my mind. Um, I think it, the, the word elite gets thrown around a little too easily, honestly, in the NFL. And to be an elite quarterback in the NFL, that's like a, a list of three or four maybe. 
Um, and for me, it's like, you know, the Patrick Mahomes, the Aaron Rodgers still is very much elite in my mind. People have tried to say Dak Prescott's elite. I haven't bought that yet. I think he's arguably up there. But I think I think I think Josh Allen for me is like in the same boat as a Dak Prescott. I think they're in the same kind of tier. Um, Russell Wilson has not been elite this year. He's been pretty bad this year. He's he's obviously been elite the majority of his career. He's clearly not happy in Seattle. He it, wants to get out. Yeah, they look bad. Um, so yeah, I mean the list is very short. You should not be getting just thrown into the elite category. People were trying to say Justin Herbert and all this shit last year when he's elite. No, like elite, elite is like the, there's a top tier and there's the tier right above the top tier. It's only a select few. And I Josh, said too, Aaron Josh Rogers, Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Look, Josh Allen has all the capabilities. He's huge. He's very athletic. He can run. He has a cannon for an arm, but he struggles with accuracy a lot of times. And he's kind of a turnover machine. Kind of has been. I mean, outside of last year, he kind of has been that. Um, but yeah, no, he's not elite. No, not yet. All right, let's go into basketball real quick. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on the whole LeBron James situation where he got uh, one game suspension. What are your thoughts? Where are you reacting? I, I honestly didn't have a problem with it just because of the fact that the, the league has to be consistent with these things. But I will say this. If Isaiah Stewart didn't act the way he did afterwards, there's no suspensions with either one of them. They can have a little bit of an argument and a disagreement, and both and LeBron should have been ejected for it, I will agree, because he did make contact with his face, and they have to be consistent. I don't believe he did it intentionally, but it happened. You have to call that a flagrant, too. It, it's how the league is. you got to protect players so these fights don't ensue. Well, Isaiah Stewart then got he saw some blood, tasted some blood, and, and saw blood after that. And that's why the suspensions happen. So I, I agree with it because the league does have to maintain a certain level of safety and integrity in the league. I'm not sitting here saying that they need to call everything a flagrant and eject everybody. But in this situation, I thought that I thought they, the league actually did the right thing just to maintain this and put some balance, put some ease to this. Because if they didn't, who's to say what couldn't pop off again the next time these two teams are on the court? They needed to squash it. LeBron's addressed it now. The issues I've seen with LeBron getting... He's had himself a fun week and a half, man, because he gets a suspension, then gets a $15,000 fine for for holding his nutsack after hitting a big shot in Indiana and got two people ejected from the stadium as well. He was coming for blood, too. He's like, if they're going to eject my ass neck last week, I'm ejecting somebody else yeah. for saying some stupid shit about my son. It's been a fun week for LeBron. I actually think this is something the Lakers can turn around and utilize as they start to really form into this December team, which I'm not even watching or paying attention very closely until December because that's when these teams that are going for titles are really going to start putting it together. Yeah, I mean, the whole situation was out of control. Uh, and if you watch it, I mean, I've watched it clearly, and this is not the, my fandom of LeBron. He did not mean to hit him in the face. Right. He Isaiah was sitting, pushing him low. His and his face was almost level with his hip. Typically, guys aren't that low on you. And I don't. I think LeBron was like, you can see, he saw him out of the corner of his eye a little bit, but he he missed him with the elbow. The elbow is not what made contact. It was his hand. His fingernails, but cut him open. Um, you can see it clearly. His hand is what catches his face. And I think Isaiah, obviously, when he saw the blood, the instincts kicked in. The caveman came out. You know how it is whenever you get in a fight. Like when we were fighting, when we were kids or something, one of us noticed that one of us was bleeding. We're like, oh, hell no. I got to yeah. make you bleed now. Yeah. It's, just, it's an instinctual thing, so I get it. He was absolutely out of control, and he has a track record of this already in the league in his young career. Um, he's, he's tried to fight with Blake Griffin, numerous other players. He's kind of a goon type of guy, which most teams need a guy like that. Um, you know, the Rodmans and, the, you know, the Scott Pollards and all. There's always those those goon dudes um, so that's kind of what his role is, uh, but he got got this time, and LeBron didn't actually even mean to do it. I think LeBron definitely meant to like push him off, but I don't think he meant to hit, catch him in the eye and make him bleed. Um, this is a scary situation, man. That guy was a one man wrecking crew as a giant individual. Uh, he looked like Jonathan Taylor against the Bills last week, <laughs> running over bodies, and they try to run around the tunnel and come out the other side. Like, bro, give this man a Xanax or something. It was ridiculous, but yeah, I, I haven't seen something like that in a while. That was a pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean. 
Brom was at fault because he did do it. It was inadvertent in my, in my mind, but he did do it, and he he paid the price, man. He got suspended, and LeBron, I don't remember the last time LeBron's ever been suspended. That's you know, that's his first flagrant two in his career. That's his first. Yep. He's never had a flagrant two Never before. been ejected. That's what I'm saying. So you got to give LeBron the benefit of the doubt. Oh, no, he's been ejected one other time. It was for le- but that's yelling his, at a ref. No, no, yeah. that's his first flagrant two in, the, yeah, in his yeah, career. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how biased the NBA is? Fuck. <laughs> he's just never been that guy, man. Jesus. He was such a pussy. <laughs> All right, man. Adding to what you were talking about, uh, you know, we're heading into December, uh, where you said uh, NBA teams are start championship uh, teams are starting to pick it up. So my question was, uh, should Lakers fans be worried about this Lakers team not performing to what they should be performing? Normally, if a team was playing like the Lakers were were and and they didn't have the veteran experience and quite frankly the superstar talent they have, I'd say yes, you should very much be worried because we're now what 22, 23 games into the season. I would say normally yes. I, I don't because the fact I don't say that for the Lakers yet because of the fact that LeBron missed half of the season so far. He's missed what ten games? I think 10, 11 games so far. So and, and they have a losing record without him. They have a winning record with him. I, I think this team you, just pay attention in December. I don't. I, you guys know me. I'm usually the knee jerk guy. I'm usually the one that's quick to. Oh, I just ugh. no. This is a team that I I very much believe guys by Christmas. You're going to go, damn, they just won six straight games. Damn, they just beat this team. Damn, LeBron just had another 40-point triple-double. That's what's going to start happening. I truly believe this team's looking at this as a long game. LeBron's been utilizing regular seasons like this for four or five years now, where he just kind of matriculates himself into the season, kind of eases his way into the season, and then he looks like LeBron again. And outside of a couple injuries last postseason, they'd have been in the finals again. So that's what's going to happen. That's where I'm at. I'm not worried yet, but if if it's December 23rd and the Lakers have a losing record or they're 500, you're damn right I'm going to be worried because that's the time of the year where teams like this really start to, okay, guys, let's play some real ball now. Let's get some shit together. I think that's what they're going to do, but I'll be worried if that's the case. I I am worried about this team. Uh, I... They don't have an identity yet, and their defense is terrible. Yeah. Um, and that's what they've been known for the last couple of seasons is their defense. I, AD is still an elite defender, but overall, Russ has been bad defensively. Carmelo is an absolute liability defensively when he's out there. He's a great shooter, but when he's not shooting and making shots, he's oh, damn near pointless when he's out there. Literally. Um, yeah, no, no. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I watched the triple overtime game last night against my Kings, and those old guys were just gassed. I mean, great. It's triple overtime. Most people are going to be gassed, but... If you get, if they get into a bad ma- or a matchup with a younger fiery team, you know that's hot or something. I mean, we saw it last year with the Suns; they got completely destroyed. It's a different situation, but at the same time, I mean, we can talk about long game. But I mean, are these guys? These this is an old roster, man. Like they're a feisty older roster, but like I haven't, I just haven't seen like who they are. Like right now, they're a bad team. I mean, they're just not. LeBron, I'm not worried about LeBron individually. He's gonna get his numbers. LeBron's gonna be great. Playoff time, LeBron can turn it on and, and, and you know gu- guide a team to at least you know the conference finals. I'm not doubting that, but the Warriors get Clay back. You know, there's the and the, the Suns are rolling. I think 15 straight wins. There's a lot of hot teams around the West, and it. I don't know. I am worried about it. I am worried about it. You know, are they going to find an identity? Because this is this is this scenario is a little bit different. It's an entirely revamped roster. Um, they don't have a lot of young, fiery guys off the bench. The rotation hasn't really been a completely available. Trevor Reza hasn't sniffed the floor yet. So, um, yeah, I mean, I am worried right now. Uh, I'm not going to doubt that they can turn it on. But as of right now, that Lakers team is not a good team. They're just not. LeBron's going to have his big blow-up games here and there. AD's going to have his big blow-up games here and there. But they got to put it together as a unit. And I just have not seen that yet. So, I mean, my, my Kings were without Harrison Barnes, our, really our number one player overall. And De'Aaron Fox was out there just doing whatever he wanted to do against that defense, and that just can't happen. 
I mean, the Kings are a bottom team in the West still. So I, 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 I am worried about them, to be I, honest. I do want to announce real quick, uh, we've been getting a lot of breaking news today. Uh, we kind of knew about this coming, and it's unfortunate, but we did hear that uh, former Chiefs uh, legend and 2013 Pro Football Hall of Famer Curly Cup has passed away yeah. uh, due to pancreatic cancer, issues with pancreatic cancer. Uh, very sad. Uh, there's no question about it. I didn't get the pleasure of watching Curly, but I've heard the legend of Curly. I've seen videos of Curly, and uh, I've, I've actually He's met him in person a couple Chiefs times when Lord. I was very young. Yeah. Very sweet, very sweet man, and it's uh, beyond sad, and I, I don't want to – not mention that on our show it's it's something that i felt was necessary as soon sure. as i saw it so um our love and our hopes and our wishes our best wishes are to his family and obviously if there's anything that we can do here we're here to help and uh just best to them man and i really hope they get through this because this is very rough man so in that um eddie do you have anything else in the in the eddie hour yes. all right uh last question actually are the Warriors officially a title contender team, or are, are you still waiting to see, like Trevor said, like an identity or something? What, what, what are they going to be like when uh, Clay Thompson comes back, or do you think this team is a title contender this season? I don't know how, and, and again, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite here because I'm sitting here telling you guys I don't want to overreact to something that's happened so far this season. I don't want to say it on the flip side either. But because of the fact that, one, we do know what the Warriors' identity is. It's Steph Curry. It's the shooting. It's the prowess. It's the greatness of Steve Kerr and his drawing up plays and things of that nature. Because Steve Kerr is 100% a Hall of Fame head coach. Mm -hmm. There is no question. This yeah. dude can make the Hall of Fame in three different ways. Yeah. GM, head coach, and player because of all the success he's had. But I will say this. that This Warriors team, the reason why I'm so confident they're going, they are a, a title contender is and I do believe we'll probably be at the Western Conference Finals this year at some point uh, this year is because of the fact that this team's already won. They have the guys in place that have already won multiple championships together. They've been to four finals together. And Steph Curry is still at the peak of his powers. And when you have the greatest shooter in the history of the NBA with Clay coming back, with Draymond Green still there, with Steve Kerr's uh, uh, tutelage, how the fuck can I sit here and say they're not? Like, Because if they're not, who is? Honestly, everyone just assumes the Nets are getting there. That team hasn't done shit together yet. They look worse than they ever have as a collective. So help me understand who then is a championship contender because the Warriors clearly are because right now, outside of maybe the Suns, there is not a better team in basketball than the Warriors right now. Yeah, I mean, they're absolutely – I've been watching a lot. I've been watching a lot of stuff this year. He's, he, it's, it's creepy. Um, <laughs> it looks like prime unanimous MVP Steph all over again. Um, just he is, he is to the perimeter what Shaq was in the paint, man. He is – um, it's just something that we will never ever see again. Uh, so it's special, and I enjoy watching it. But yeah, they're without a doubt a contender. And when Clay gets back, this team might be the favorite in the West. Um, and that's over the Suns. I think I would pick them over the Suns for sure once Clay's back. Uh, that def that defense has actually been sneaky good too. Um, Andrew Wiggins has been playing good ball. Uh, um, um, Jordan Poole has been a great addition. He's finally coming into his own as a as a relief player, or even sometimes in the starting uh, starting five as a good scorer opposite Steph. Uh, but Clay is going to take that spot once he gets back. And this team is deadly, man. It's a, it's a scary. They're very balanced. They play been playing good defense. They play a lot of small ball. Um, so, but they do have guys like um, um, that can come in and play if they wanted to play bigger. They have a great rotation. That's Steve Kerr all the way. I mean, he he knows how to put together great rotation. He rotates like fifteen guys like every night. So he just knows how to keep his guys rolling, keep everybody's confidence up. And then obviously when Steph's hitting from forty. The confidence of the team is going to be fine. So I mean, yeah, they're they're a scary team, man. They're a scary team. That's a it's a great offense and a and a solid defense. I mean, that's not much more you can ask for with the leadership of Steph playing how he's playing. Yeah, they're scary. 
So and that's crazy. That's to think with, that they're without Clay Thompson. But I mean, we're still yet to see what Clay Thompson is. Yeah, what season. version of Clay is coming yeah. back? Because yeah. he hasn't played two full oh, seasons yeah, yeah, of basketball. Yeah. So. I've seen him. I've seen him uh, warming up in one of the games. He was just warming up, and he shot. He was just shooting. Oh, the shooting. I'm, I'm talking about his body. He's got to yeah. be able to stay right. healthy. His shooting's always going to be there. Well, they're going to need his defense too. I mean, it, we forget how good of a defender Clay is too. Man, one of the best two way players in the recent memory. For sure. I hope he's not another D Rose kind of situation. I, that would suck. But even D Rose had a resurrection. Yeah, he's still a very good player in this league not a great but he's a great role player in this league 16 17 in a game so if that's the kind of clay you get that's good enough for this team to win a title yeah. with steph curry being able to do what he does dream on and those young cats playing the way they're playing with what's his name weissman doing what he's doing man like yeah. uh well yeah, yeah yeah i mean he's he's good he's getting there is what cool, i'm saying they cool. have they have a lot of young talent yeah. they have a lot of young talent would you predict not predict but would you guess who um I guess you can see. Uh, yeah, I guess your prediction of who do you think the MVP is going to be this season? I think right now it's got to be Steph. It's Steph. Right it's got to be Steph. Definitely. Yeah. It's just Steph. Definitely. Steph. It's definitely him. <laughs> I would say him. Uh, I think that uh, it's so hard to say right now, I man, because there's. Giannis, I just feel like Giannis there's some sleeping there. giants out there right now. I think that when Jokic is going to be in the mix again, uh, he he hasn't had the season that we hoped him have. He's having. been banged he's, up. Yeah, he's got these averaging like 22 a game right now. But again, we're not even halfway to the, through the season yet, man. So come at me with that question, honestly. Like in February, in February, give me that question. I'll give you a definitive answer. But right now, it's got to be Steph. There's yeah, a, there's, there's, there's only some one guy. there's some good teams right yes. now, like the Bulls. I mean that the big three over there, or the big four, I guess Lonzo and and just those guys, man. The, that that whole team has been playing really really well. There's not one guy that's like the all outside right like better player. So right. there's not really an MVP out of there. But as far as like one player that just kind of rises to the top right now, it's definitely Steph. But I mean, a healthy LeBron, if he's putting up the number he's been putting up, I was always in the argument as well. And Giannis, like you can't, Giannis is the, literally the heart and soul of that team, and they're not that great right now. But they're if they win games, it's typically because of Giannis. But Steph right now, I think is the head of, the head of that list. I even forgot to ask you this question. Um, what are your thoughts and uh, reactions to what what we saw last night with uh, was it John Morant? Ah, yeah. We don't know. We don't know what the deal so is, but it, it was it a non-contact. A left, it's a left knee, left knee issue. Yeah, so. it doesn't look good. It reminds I, me of early day Russell Westbrook. Yeah. That's what I mean. his game reminds me so much of Russell Westbrook. He's a better shooter, but he his game is he's very aggressive, very athletic. Will attack anything. That's exactly who he reminds me so much. The mentality the way he plays Russell Westbrook, and it caused Russell Westbrook a lot of injuries early on in his career. We all thought, I thought early on in Russell, like I thought he was never going to be the same after that last knee injury when he tore his his ACL. Mm -hmm. um, so. This could be an ACL for him. They haven't announced anything yet, but it looked bad. He could he couldn't even walk on his own. Could barely get up on his own. I mean, he did tweet. Uh, it's in God's heads now. Yeah, that's what so, he said. I mean, that's so. not good. Um, I it, love it. Ja. Didn't look good. Any non-contact, ja. like Trevor said, any non-contact injury, regardless of the sport. Yeah. It's hard to sit here and go, oh, he'll be fine. Yeah. No, he couldn't walk off on his own power. Young dude like that. I, yeah. To be honest, I thought it was his Achilles because yeah. uh, he just stopped. It was he weird. He just stopped. And yeah. So I thought it was his Achilles, and I was like, ooh. What, while we wait for uh, our guy Jason Dunn, uh, while we wait for him, uh, what we'll do is we'll get, get to the Monday mailbag. I, I believe that Eddie's got the questions for us, so that way we can get that. I believe there's only a couple questions. Our guy Stan Simmons actually showed up again this week, so that's a, always a positive. But, Eddie, what's in the Monday mailbag currently verbally on, on the on the actual th uh, thread? Uh, uh, Billy Hodge, uh, last week Darrell Williams got five rushing attempts and three targets uh, after coming off the greatest game of his life. So my question is, will they continue to leave Williams out of the uh, game plan since CEH is back, or am I talking crazy? 
I think DW needs to be more involved. Look, here's the thing. Okay, what happens a lot of times, and I'm I'm guilty of this as well because I grew up a Chiefs fan. When you see a role player have an historically great game, or at least a career game for themselves, you, you you automatically assume that's going to be a weekly thing. Well, first of all, there's a reason those guys are role players, because they don't have games like that on a normal basis. And two, the team knows that. So what you're going to do is you're going to feed your superstars. See, the, the thing that I think I think when we get here in Kansas City, and I don't, our Chiefs fans, I, 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 don't mean, I don't mean to call us out here. But I think we've gotten a little spoiled with having two all-pro receiving options. Because once those guys are getting their, their numbers, we start to go, okay, so who else? Like, it's just that easy. Like, you're not going to continue to feed Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill while they're still at the peak of their powers. That's the thing we need to understand here. Guys, Tyreek Hill is having an historic run. He's having a four-year run unlike outside of Jerry Rice and maybe Antonio Brown we have ever seen. And Tyreek Hill is putting up historic numbers. He's on pace to have 127 receptions this year. He's on pace to have over 1,500 yards and 16 touchdowns. Like, that is historic great, historically great. Not to mention, Travis Kelsey is currently, no matter what Ryan Clark says, is on pace for 102 receptions for 1,300 yards and 8 touchdowns. So, Daryl Williams and guys like that are going to have a game like that every once in a while. That's going to occur every once in a while, but that is not the norm, and it will never be the norm. You just hope that they can put that on when it's called upon, and that's what happened against the Raiders. All respect to Daryl, and I would like to see him get more play time as well, guys, but he is who he is, and that's who he's going to continually be 99% of the time. Yeah, I mean, to revert it back to what it was from the beginning of the season when Clyde was healthy. He was getting the majority of the work. I mean, he's the better talent, if we're going to be honest. I mean, he was drafted for for in the spot he was for a reason, you know. So I, I love me some 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 Daryl Williams, man. Trust me. Don't get me wrong. I, I think he's been the better back at times uh, as far as what he's used for. He, I think he's the best, better shortage yardage. The shortage yardage back uh, for like a third and one. I want I want Daryl running the ball. I just think he's the stronger, bigger uh, heavy legged back. I think he's he's just able to push a pile better than Clyde would. But Clyde is has more skills uh, in his bag of tricks. I think he's he's better in the passing game. And as much as much as we want to talk about that that play that Clyde that uh, that Daryl made in the end zone, uh, that catch was incredible. It was a great play. Um, but it was <laughs> he got up and got it for sure. But I think I think I just think Clyde's the better back overall. Has more skill sets uh, that that are better fit for this offense. Um, but I want to see them both be used. I want to see them both, you know, be the thunder and lightning. Um, and when we got two guys that arguably can be starting running backs in this league, that's a good thing to have, you know. So as long as they stay healthy, I just always want, like I always say, I want the best guy on the field more than the guy that's not better. So like, I think we have <clears throat> two good running backs, and I think we're going to utilize them both moving forward. I mean, that's – I don't want one guy on the field more than the other, depending on, you know, whatever situation we're in. I think Andy Reid, I trust him to make the right decision. Who's out there? I think they'll share series. I think the one we'll see a couple series with, with Daryl, and then, um, but I, I do expect Clyde to get most of the work just because he's the better running back. So. We have our guy Stan Simmons got us not one but two questions this Ooh. week, and I cannot wait to hear what these are, guys. Here's our guy Stan Simmons from Fresno, Cali. As soon as I push the button correctly. <laughs> hey guys, second message. Oh, that's a, I just want to oh, say. Oh, oh. oh, I my guy stand down. Here we go. There we go. Had a happy and safe Thanksgiving. Well, our Chiefs are finally starting to get it together, but the offense is still inconsistent with drops and costly penalties. If they can find a way to stop these mistake, those mistakes, the sky's the limit for this team. Well, anyway, my question is hypothetically, and again, hypothetically, if you could make one change as a Chiefs GM or owner at the end of the season, what would it be? I think I would release. 
released both McCole Harmon and Demarcus Robinson uh, and try like crazy crazy to get a proven wide receiver number two on this team. Also, I may be inquiring if Kareem Hunt is available. We'll see you guys. That's a great first question, so I'll keep it there, and then we'll get to that second question in just a second. Stan Simmons always brings the heat, man. Uh, when it comes to the turnover situation, yes, it's 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 very frustrating, and I, I can't put my finger as to why that continues to happen. I think it's just mental uh, lapses. I think it's just judgment issues. I still, I'm still, i still not overly concerned. As crazy as that sounds, as late as we are into the game when it comes to this season, I'm still not overly concerned this team's going to have that issue in the big, pivotal games later in the year and in the playoffs whenever this happens. I just, I'm not. And until they do, I can, I will sit here and give this team confidence. They'll, they'll find a way because that Raiders game was the biggest game to date before the Cowboys game, obviously. They had zero turnovers and put up 41 points. I think this team will focus and re-engage and, and, and deal with these issues they continue to have with the turnover battle when it comes to the changes i would make i would tend to agree because you guys know that i'm no longer on the mccall bandwagon i would like to see them either maybe trade him off or do something like that because we also saw him only play 12 offensive snaps and not even do punt returns last week against the cowboys that's huge that says something about this chief's team's faith in him so i'd like to see them move off of him as well d rob he'll be a free agent so they don't even need to worry about that don't even bring him back god knows i'm sick of that shit um, when it comes to the changes i would make I would still say no matter what Frank Clark does for the rest of the season, I would still like his contract off the books because he's going to make over $20 million next year. That's a lot of cap hits. Anthony Hitchens obviously is going to be gone. I would like to see the Chiefs utilize the money they would reallocate through Anthony Hitchens and Frank Clark being off the books and get themselves a top-tier pass rusher, a guy that's out there that's looking for money. I don't know who that guy would be yet, but I'd like to see them go and get a guy to help facilitate that stress, that worry, because Melvin Ingram won't be here next year either. He's old. He's going to probably get himself one last stand, one last big paycheck somewhere else, probably on a non-contender, but he gets himself a nice little payday. He earns off of a team like the Chiefs. I would like to see somebody next to Chris Jones that's in his mid-20s, mid to late 20s, gets himself a nice little contract with the Chiefs and give the Chiefs what they've been looking for out of Frank Clark on a more consistent basis. That's what I would like to see them do with that money as well. And on the draft, I know that's far away, man, but I would really like to see the Chiefs double down on the defense again. On on the pass, Make this defense elite. Yes, double down. Get that defensive line stacked. Add another linebacker. Do something like that. Add add somebody in that front seven, both in free agency and in the in the in the draft. Man, I'd love to see them attack the defensive side full fledged in this next draft in free agency. Those, those are the ones I'd like to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually kind of locking steps with there with with Stan. I think uh, I would love to see us clear house in the wide receiver, clean some house in the wide receiver room, bring in a couple guys, you know, of note. There's going to be some free agents this offseason. Shit, maybe bring back Albert Wilson. You know, I like I like having guys like that. Albert Wilson was always a good contributor to this offense, um, and we've seen him and Patrick Mahomes have you know I was early Patrick Mahomes days, but in that Broncos game, just having a you know a guy that already knows the offense uh, is a good slot guy. Can it has has a burst ability? Just uh, random guys like that. Because I mean, what we're getting on McColl and you know I, I, um, I think Pringle still I think Pringle's going to be here next year. He's a he's a fan favorite. He's been the best wide receiver three on this and team so nothing. far. And he costs nothing. He costs nothing. Yeah, and he, he's yeah. really good with the ball in his hands, man. We've seen it. He's been see, far better. Did you guys see my stat yesterday? So, Deshaun Jackson, oh, yeah, yeah. formerly released Deshaun Jackson oh, of the Rams, it. who's now with the Raiders, has more yards. Hear me out, guys. More yards in his last four catches than McCole Hartman has in his last four games. Yeah. The, the McCole Hartman thing is over. And, and just to add to Stan, what he said about Kareem Hunt, you guys know yes. I've never given up on my guy Bro. Kareem. Yeah. I would love to see the Chiefs and him reconcile. Go nuts if we got him he, back. Will, he will be off the books next year for the Browns, so if they want to move off him with Dearness Johnson emerging and Nick Chubb being yeah. paid, 
I think the cream's probably the stalemate There's going to be a lot of teams. Oh, yeah. The oh, I don't think he'll up. be back in Kansas City, but my God, would I love that. Man, that'd be amazing to see that story come back. But I can see the Raiders trying to poach him, hope. too. Yeah, you, you one can only hope. Yeah. He'll yeah. probably get paid somewhere. So, yeah, Cream Hunt, obviously, I think we're all in agreement here that that, yeah. that would be great to get him yeah. back and have him with Clyde. My goodness, that would be a duo right there. Um, but, yeah, I think getting adding a wide receiver and then, Yes, getting Frank Clark as much as as much as we love how he's playing right now, getting him off the books next year, and then drafting damn near all defense in the draft next year. I would love to see that. Just go berserk and get some edge rushers, get some, you know, some some another linebacker because Hitchens will be gone. So we need some, we're gonna need some depth. Um, I do believe in the youngsters we got right now, but going full defense in the, on the um, uh, draft next year would be uh, would be great. So yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah. Um... What would I do? Uh, I, yeah, I would definitely get rid of uh, Michael Harmon. Either find a trade option or just completely cut him from the team. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think he was uh, he's the answer that the Chiefs were looking for when Tyreek Hill's situation was going on. Um, another move that I would probably do is, uh, I'll, I'll agree with you, I think I'd get rid of uh, Frank Clark. Uh, not because he's not a great player, but saves because money. it's too much money. He saves up money. And with the... With the Freeing up money with uh, letting go of Nicole Harmon, uh, Robinson, and Clark. You can add another edge rusher. Well, I think we all agree that Tyron's probably going to be back next year now, right? Because yes. I, I, I feel like I, yes. I, before I felt like this that might have been he might have put a nail in his coffin like, with that no. whole situation. Yeah, but no. This, but he's going to be a lot more expensive this time he's around. He's going to be a lot more expensive. We'll see, we'll <laughs> see we need him, man. We'll see what the Chiefs come up with. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure uh, Brett Beach will give him a $130 million contract. <laughs> I would pay Tyreek. I'd pay Tyreek this offseason. Year five, owing him yeah. like $100 million. Yeah, no yeah. shit. No, knowing how Brett Beach does his contracts, it, 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 it wouldn't surprise me to I mean, see Tyreek uh, Matthew back. We can let Tyreek uh, test the waters, test the market. but well, That's the problem, all, though. Somebody else yeah. would pay him more than oh, the absolutely. Chiefs would. Yes, maybe. And, I mean, uh, you can uh, – well, who, who's a uh, – There's a lot of teams with better cap space than the Chiefs. I can see the Panthers year. going after him. I can see – I think Chandler Jones is a free agent next year. Mm-hmm. And you have Von Miller free agent next year. And then obviously a couple more players. There's some aging guys. Yeah. Some I, aging guys. But, but I Chandler mean, I would be on board with, but, but, but you have I mean, to pay money. If, if you're – let's say you go in there and win this year, and next year you want to go back and kind of like run it back. They're veteran experience, and I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it at all. Right. But, but I mean, we'll see what Von Miller does with the Rams. Can he stay healthy? We'll, we'll see. Yeah. But, yeah. All right. Second question from our guy Stan Simmons. Here we go. This time, I promise it's the second question. Here we go. <laughs> hey, guys. Second message. I just want to say this is the best time of year for us sports fans. I mean, the MLB playoffs and World Series just ended. You got the NFL season coming down to the home stretch and the beginning of the NBA season all at the same time as the holiday season kicks in. My question is, what's your favorite time of the year? Mm. Eddie, you can also include a World Cup tournament or kickoff to the Premier Leagues too. My favorite time is from Thanksgiving until until the NFL championship games. I wish I didn't have to go to work or do anything during those months, but sit on the couch. Um, well, anyway, what's your favorite time of the year? You guys take care and be safe. You know what, Stan? You take care and be safe as well, man. We always appreciate your contributions appreciate around these parts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yes, and I hope everything's going well for you these hol- this holiday season, bro, because I-, I couldn't agree more. This is my favorite time of the year as well. Uh, as a as a, a, a avid Chiefs football fan, 
Yes, this is. I don't know how I could sit here and say, yeah, it's it's springtime, you know, when baseball, you know, is starting to warm up and it's just starting off, and there's no football. No, how could I do that? What kind of psycho would I be? I know Eddie's a, a, a an avid soccer fan, so whenever the World Cup's around, every once every four years, I know that's his favorite time. But for me, man, it, it goes without question. This is this is the time, dude. This from October. Honestly, I'm I'm gonna be selfish. From October to February, the beginning of February. That whole section is my favorite time. And I'm with Stan. I wish I could just lounge around, not do shit. And just Honestly, that's what I do for the most of the time when I'm not doing what I normally do. But outside of that, yeah, there is no question in my mind, bro. This is this is the peak time of the year every single year. It's tradition. It's what we love. It's what we consume. It's what we talk about on the show each and every week, man. So I'm in lockstep like Trevor was earlier with Stan Simmons on this one. So great yeah. question, Stan. That's my time. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm, my favorite sport is basketball so nba is is in the thick of it right now i'm the kind of nba fan that i'll watch pistons and pelicans you know i, I will sit I'll, I'll watch from start to finish i just love i love basketball so that basketball is like right in the thick of it baseball just ended not a big baseball guy but i do under i do love the 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 atmosphere of uh playoff baseball it's definitely a great you know just atmospheric feel um of the year it's kicking into the you know fall season obviously i'm a fall guy so I love this time of year. Definitely, yeah, from here, from middle October to the end of February, um, you know, Super Bowl, NBA playoffs, um, the NFL playoffs and, and NBA playoffs are, you know, kicking, you know, getting nearing each other at around the similar time. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, yeah, there's not a better time, man, in sports for me, especially as a Midwestern American, you know, enjoying the fall weather and enjoying the, the, you know, the middle of the NFL season, the NBA season getting, you know, hot and heavy. Yeah, for sure for me it's the best time of year. Ooh, my best time of year comes every two years. I'm going to say that. Yeah. I would say four years for the World Cup, but mm. I would say it's every two years because you got, let's say, so next year, 2022, we got the World Cup, which it should usually happen between June and July, but because of the extreme heat in, in Qatar, mm. they moved it to oh, November, yeah. December. So November, December next year, this 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 month next year, we'll, we'll officially have the world cup which is the best fucking time and you're gonna have it during the holidays it ain't nothing fucking better than that <laughs> and then two years after that it's uh the copa america and the in the euro the ufa euro uh championship which mm. is the european tournament and then the south american tournament by far the greatest tournaments in between world cups and, and having that shit every two years having the world cup and then two years after that having the the euro and the Copa America, and then two years after that, having another World Cup, mm-hmm. and then two years—it's the fucking best time of the year. It, it, there's nothing better than that. That—that that is the best time to watch soccer. Yep. Good. Uh, look, man, like I, man. Like I said, yeah, Stan. Stan always adds so much quality to our show here, and we always appreciate him. We appreciate everybody that's in the mailbag. Our guy Billy Hodge holding it down on the on the thread side of things. Uh, we have our guy Jason Dunn. I believe he's going to be here in just a few minutes. So let's go ahead and move to the last segment. We're here. We're all about versatility here at the Spoken Podcast, man. Let's go and do that thing that we call hold this L. Every week we hold our shows down with some series with a series of L's in the world of sports, whether they're friendly or not friendly. We promise you, whoever's holding those L's deserve those L's. Mister Yo 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 Eddie Ortiz, who's holding the L for you this week? Is it F one? No, I wish it was F1. Yeah. I would give it to F1, but uh, no, uh, I'm gonna give it to Portugal, uh, the the soccer team, the national soccer team. Why am I gonna give it to Portugal? Well, they had the best opportunity to qualify for the next year's World Cup uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, if they they would have just won at home against a team that they could they they could beat, but they did not beat uh, that team 
They lost at home. Everybody that that was a game that they could win because they were home, but they're in Portugal. But no, uh, sadly, uh, they lost. Now they're going into this playoff playoff kind of bracket thing that, that, that they're doing now, which is for the last three European spots for the World Cup. And you have uh, two, four, six, eight. 10, 12 teams fighting for the three the three left the three last spots to the to the uh, to the World Cup mm. uh, so now now you gotta play this playoff bracket which if you win your 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 game and Italy wins their game against Macedonia you will play, you will play in the final four one one birth of the World Cup so yeah instead of Making it easier for yourselves and qualify directly through the World Cup to the World Cup without having to go through through this kind of playoff bracket, it would have been you know you'd have been sleeping home good, and not having to worry about that shit. But because you you failed, you lost, now you have to face the consequences, and that consequence is playing arguably the best the best team that's playing soccer right now in Italy. Yes, Italy. Uh, uh, I don't know what happened there towards the end of the uh, towards the end of the qualifiers. They struggled a little bit. They ended up second place. They have to go to uh, to this playoff as well. So now you can possibly have Portugal against Italy in this uh, in this game for a potential World Cup spot. Portugal, you man, you had it all, man. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck y'all were thinking. You have arguably one of the greatest players of all time mm. in your team and. You couldn't Squandered do it at it. Yeah, so for that reason, Portugal, uh, national team, national team, soccer team, you have to do me a favor and hold, hold this L. L. Trevor Twiddle is holding the L for you this week. Look, we touched on it in, in passing uh, in the middle of the show here, but I, I am going to give a, um, a little, shed a, more, a little bit more light on that situation in Indiana and the game uh, with these, these fans. Listen, man, like, you can, it's one thing to cheer for your team, buy courtside tickets. Sit there and you know talk trash, whatever you want to do. Players typically like that. That get helps sometimes. That adds fuel to the fire and gets players fired up. When, but, but when you when you make personal attacks on people's families and and children, it's just a it's just a strange dynamic, man. Between these people paying all that money, those are expensive seats. No matter what game you're going to, no matter what team it is, you're paying courtside. You're sitting there courtside, you know, smelling these players sweat. You're going there to enjoy that that atmosphere and that moment, and you're gonna. Do you're gonna say the worst thing you could possibly say and talk about LeBron James's child? Talking about you hope he dies in a car crash and he's a bitch. And you're talking about a you know what, a ninth grader, a tenth grader. Like what are we doing here? That's some strange shit. And then and then LeBron finally points them out and tells the ref that you know, these people said this and this and that. Uh, um, and they and then they eventually get stood up and escorted out of the building. And then, and then the woman wants to have the audacity to do the crying face thing like like she's pouting like she's like basically saying lebron's a big baby like bro that's see, that's the thing i'm talking about man like it's so strange when like fans think they have and let I me mean, let them meet lebron in a back alley somewhere outside of a bar or something and say that to him. like come on man like it's just the 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 faux bravery that a lot of these fans have we've seen it numerous times like russell westbrook pre-game kicking fans out because they're telling them dance boy dance and all this shit that's going on like it's just and it always tends to be similar types of people that pull this shit, <laughs> if we're being honest. Like, there's a trend here. So, like, it's just, it's a bad look. It's embarrassing as for me as a fan. Obviously, it doesn't represent me. But, like, 
there's a purity, man, to like fans talking trash to players. But when you cross on lines like that, that's just like it becomes inhumane. It becomes dark and like there's like that's just a there's a dark level to to fans fandom man and it, i mean we see it you see it in all fan bases but it, yeah i mean that's just crossing a line so i know we kind of skimmed over it over the show a little bit but i just want to kind of address it and um hopefully those people get banned from that stadium they haven't been announced of that yet but like you just you can't say stuff like that man you just can't you can't talk about someone's child like that they weren't even talking about lebron they're talking about his child like they went immediately for the it's just strange um, hoping and wishing death on them. It's just bizarre. Um, so for that, Indiana fans, not in general, but those individ- those individual Indiana fans and all the fans that you know feel brave because they're surrounded by thousands and thousands of people, do me a favor and hold, hold this L. L. Well, I'm glad you brought that one up because I didn't want to be the guy to talk about that because I feel like that's such low-hanging fruit for me. It is. There's I, not, there I, wasn't I, much for me to look yeah, at. Yeah, I don't see him getting bent from the – I mean, from from the from the stadium or the arena, just for the simple fact that I think if this was more of a racial issue, and, and I'm not trying to say anything bad or anything, any anything you say can be is is bad. It's Indiana, so it, no. But I'm saying <laughs> if, if this was if this was to be a a, a racial issue and all that stuff, yes, they, I, I think they would have gotten yeah. banned on the spot. Mm. Uh, but because it's more of a, I, I guess you can they consider more of a trash talk. Yeah. Then, then it is racial. Wishing death on your child. No, no, it's still tra- but you but you see what I'm saying. The racial and trash talk is completely different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I see. I would. Yeah, it's not trash talk. That's. Yeah, it's still you're, you're trash talking his family. You're 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 wishing other shit. But it's still, I don't I don't I don't see that as a, I think as that's right. A separate category from trash talk. That's I, like. It, it's different when it, you're talking about people's yeah. kids and stuff. It's it had that's nothing next to do with level. the game. Yeah, it's next level. Level. You, they knew what they were doing, and they were probably like I said they're probably rich kids that yeah. their dad bought the tickets. They don't they know they don't have an appreciation of that actual situation and scenario. So they yeah, probably so just looked at that as you're our entertainment. You dance for me, boy, that's, type of thing. That's what it looked like to me. Yeah, and, and when they got that's embarrassed, always, yeah, it's always the same. When, type they, got, of when they got embarrassed in front of eighteen thousand people, they try to show him up when he was in there saying, "No, man." At the end of the day, we're all human beings, and like Trevor said, in a different set, you wouldn't even look. LeBron's way, bro, let alone say some these shit. These fans that are brave, man. Remember Kyrie had that drink poured on him and all yeah. that shit? Like, bro, this well, that is... shit, that shit. The popcorn, was it the popcorn? Well, no, no, somebody spilled a... It was pop, that was popcorn the, the Kyrie. Rust, no, no, Russ. Russ got popcorn. the drink spilled on. Oh, it was Russ. Because people know they get a reaction out of it. People know they get a reaction out of it. That's unfortunate. That shit's fucked up. Like, that's... Like, there's... I guess there's a line. Yeah, I get it. There's alcohol involved and people aren't making the best decisions. Well, my L is going to go to people that deserve it and have been deserving all year long and and. It all. <laughs> Why not? Let's throw him in there. Instead, huh? fuck it. Let's do it again. He's been he's been <laughs> relevant for about a week. Let's let's get him back into the news. We need to get a plaque in the background. Just he, he he doesn't get enough the, attention the apparently. Year. Um, so we, we had Thanksgiving games, man, and we know that the Lions and Cowboys unfortunately have to play each and every year, and and the Lions, of course, played like shit. So I'm not even gonna address them, but we had 38 million people watch the Cowboys versus Raiders. That's the highest by far Thanksgiving game viewed ever. Yeah. Those two huge fan bases. I told you that was going to be. Yeah. And they had twenty-eight penalties. And wait, and, and, and like Darren or uh, uh, Will, uh, what's his, uh, there's several uh, uh, Warren Sharp. Sorry, Warren Sharp, a writer for the. I, yeah, I always forget the what, what he jumps around a lot. But Warren Sharp uh, calling out uh, uh, NFL officials on Twitter, talking about, "Hey guys, we appreciate you know all these flags you throw." Thirty-eight million Americans watched a confetti party yeah. where the referees made it about them as opposed to an awesome game that it ended up becoming. How many times calls. we saw scoring drives? 
just completely depleted due to horrific calls and penalties. Like, I get it. They have a tough job. But you cannot sit here and tell me there were that many penalties deservingly thrown in that game where you had that many penalties to be called. It was absolutely absurd. And I even thanked it on Twitter. I said, hey, I really appreciate all these casual fans because I guarantee you about 16 to 20 million of the people that watched the game were casual fans. They saw that. They're like, why the hell would I continue to watch this? That only hurt the NFL. And I don't know how the NFL is okay with the stance that the the representation is taking when it comes to how they're officiating these games. I mean, we even had former officials calling out and this is something we never see former officials calling out some of the performances they've been seeing in particular that day from their own their own peers that's that that tells you there's a real cultural problem with the officiating man we have guys like uh, uh corinthe tony corinthe bumping into marsh mm. and then throwing the flag and showing them up this is this is not a one-week issue guys this is a league-wide mm. issue that's going mm. on all season long and for that we got to pay our dues and say NFL officials do me a solid and hold oh, this. The <laughs> you can follow him, you can follow him on Twitter at NFL officiating if you want to give him some shit. Got Trust me, I do every Sunday. They blocked me. <laughs> that, you did something right then. <laughs> this was kind of a fast-paced show. We apologize for that, guys. We had a lot to get to. We tried to double dip our guy Jason Dunn. He's been very busy, man. He has multiple shows. He does. He has a lot of different things and a lot of charity events he takes care of. He's actually. We. I just talked to him, guys. We're locking him in for next week because we're going to talk about the bye week, how players deal with the bye week, and we're going to talk about how he got prepared for Broncos games. Because nice. I'm really excited for this Broncos Chiefs game. They got flexed to Sunday, Sunday night. night. We're going to talk to Jason Dunn, man, because he played in a lot of Chiefs Broncos yeah. games. He was here for eight years. That's six. Broncos games. He got to play in, guys. I cannot wait to talk to our guy Jason Dunn about that next week. So lock it in. But for Shaggy Shane, for Clay Windler, the great Clay Windler, just got back in town. He's going to take care of our show on the production side of things. For Trevor Twigwall, for Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, Eddie Ortiz, I am Lance Twill of the Spoken Podcast. Episode 144 is done, finished, finito. And until we're back here for episode 145, talking about the Chiefs Sunday Night Football game against the Broncos, we out of this bitch. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the spoken. I might actually stick I might actually stick around for a little bit.